You're listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast with your host, Jessica Hawks, where we get honest about all things entrepreneurship, balancing life and business, and navigating the world in a digital age. just cracked. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Digital State of Mind podcast. I will forewarn you that you might hear Teddy whining in the background. He has his uh, hot dog toy in his mouth and just gets too excited and he can't handle it. So he just walks around the house crying. (laughs) Anyway, as you might have noticed, maybe you didn't, last week we didn't have an episode for kind of a couple reasons. I was sick for one thing. Um, I just wasn't feeling great. I think I just had too much fun over the holiday break and it caught up to me. So I wasn't feeling my best and it couldn't get around to recording. And then on top of that, we were like, well, you know, it's New Year's. We'll just make this our break week in the middle of the season, which we haven't done before, but it's it was kind of nice so we are back at it i'm actually really excited for today's episode i posted on my stories quite a few times over the past month i would say with an anonymous question form an anonymous form it wasn't a question form but it was basically a space for anyone in my community to kind of either ask a question about a specific situation that they were going through or vent about vent and rant about things that they see in the online space that they maybe don't agree with or specific situations that have happened to them. So I'm going to dive into those. I got quite a few responses and I eventually just kind of had to close the form out because I want to make sure that I'm able to get to as many as possible in this episode. But I'm really excited. Some people dropped their name, some people kept it anonymous, and there's some juicy stuff in there. So that is what we're going to be diving into on this episode. I hope that everyone had a really great time with their family, with their friends, whatever you were doing over the holiday break and New Year's. I mentioned this on my stories, but this year was the first year that I've ever really actually taken time off in my business. Obviously, I've had days off here and there, or I've gone on big trips, but I'm usually working a lot during those times or kind of stressing or, you know, just not fully feeling disconnected. And this, I would say like the last week and a half, two weeks of basically two weeks between like December 18th and January 2nd, something like that, I was able to, I was still working a little bit in some capacity, but I was able to actually really disconnect and spend a ton of time with family and friends. And that was so refreshing. I typically get a little bit I typically feel guilty when I do that, even though I preach about how important it is to, you know, take time off to be able to reset. But it's natural when you own a business to feel guilty whenever you're taking time off and, you know, to worry about what's going on behind the scenes or how much work you have to catch up on. But we kind of tried to plan the last quarter of 2022 so that we could actually take some time off and not have a ton of work on our plates. So pretty much all of the team was able to take a significant amount of time off, which was really awesome. And we came back into it feeling really refreshed. I feel refreshed. I feel excited about getting back into things. And we really didn't get far behind at all. We kind of just, you know, jumped back in last week or like the first week of January um, and just 
got the ball rolling again and planned out the first quarter of 2022, which was really fun. And I kind of talked about how one of my resolutions for New Year's is to simplify things. And we're really translating that over to business as well, just simplifying the plans for the year and not putting too much on our plate and going quarter by quarter as opposed to planning out the whole year. We did that in 2022. We sat down at the beginning of the year and planned out every single launch and everything that was happening in 2022 and by the end of the year we were like oh my god we (laughs) just like pumped so much stuff out that it was really overwhelming and was kind of chaotic at times so this year we're taking things by each quarter so that we don't overwhelm ourselves and commit to something that we may down the year be like actually we don't really want to do this anymore i don't want to do this anymore so i'm super excited very fun to get back into the swing of things. I can't believe it's 2023. It's going to be a fun year. This March will be my third year in business, which is so crazy. It's, I don't know. I don't understand how we're three years past 2020. I'm sure all of you feel the same, but I can't believe it's been three years since I started my business and so many things have happened and it's going to be interesting to see where I'm at three years from now. So Hope everyone had a great break and I hope you're all enjoying getting back into it and let's dive into this episode. Okay, we're going to start it off spicy. (laughs) These are these are some good ones and I'm excited to talk about them and I'm going to read two responses because I think that they tie pretty well hand in hand. So the first one says, my coach didn't help me the way I thought she would and I don't have money to invest in a new one. So I'm just doing it on my own. Can I still succeed without a coach or mentor? If yes, how? Advice from the queen, please. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And then the next one that I think ties in with this says, I think the way coaches sell courses is unethical. Humans crave freedom, and I believe no one wants to feel stuck with the way their life is going, but the quote-unquote, I invest my last 500 bucks to work with a mentor and had no idea where the next payment was going to come from, is what causes so many of us to put ourselves in debt when working with a coach because we express how desperately we want to own our business, and we do the work and make an effort, and we don't have full-time clients, or we don't have enough money to pay for the next month because we were told that working with a mentor would get us to a financially secure space and it hasn't i believe you shouldn't invest if you can't afford it but mentors and coaches should stop making it seem like spending the last bit of money we have on a course or program is what's best for us it's preying on people's weaknesses there was also another one that i wanted to mention that kind of again goes hand in hand with this um someone said I've been scammed out of $2,344 by a VA coach who doesn't help at all. It's the worst feeling ever. So I feel like these are pretty spicy. Um, First things first, I want to say sorry to this person who got scammed out of over $2,000. That is terrible. Um, Yeah, I I can't even imagine how you must be feeling. Um, And that's that sucks. Like I don't obviously don't know who you're talking about specifically, but that is a really, really bad feeling to invest in something and expect it to go a certain way. And then it doesn't at all. I have been in those situations as well. Whenever I've invested some invest something, invested in a course, invested in a mentor. And I know many other business owners who have done the same thing and have had just a very lackluster experience that it just does not live up to what you were expecting. And it's it's super disappointing to be in that situation. So I want to dive into that a little bit first, just to kind of um, give you some advice on how to maybe avoid situations like that in the future. Not that this was your fault at all, but there, you know, it can definitely be easy to see something online, see a business owner, see a coach and look at some of their content and maybe, you know, look at their sales page. Maybe they have really great messaging. Maybe they have really great branding. And one of the things that I always teach my students in DCA is that great branding and a great aesthetic, however your business looks 
visually to other people never replaces an amazing client experience. And I think that that's something that we get caught up in a lot is the branding and making sure that our feed looks good and making these really cool graphics and, you know, making a nice website. And then we, we, don't put as much attention and detail into the back end of our business, into showing up for our clients, showing up for our students. And then you just have a brand that looks great on the front, but it's not operating as well as it should be on the back end. And that is just a recipe for disaster. It's going to crash and burn at some point or another. So that's just kind of a little piece of advice for any of you out there. But... With that being said, as far as things that you can do to, I guess, kind of vet the coaches that you may see online before you actually invest in them, first things first, I would do a deep dive into their business, into, you know, obviously every coach is on different levels. And by me saying this, this doesn't mean that inexperienced or newer coaches who maybe don't have a ton of reviews, aren't amazing coaches. But, you know, especially if it's your kind of first time investing and you maybe don't have a referral from someone, it is smart to do as much research as you possibly can on their business. So let's take, for example, two different situations. If the coach that you're interested in investing in is maybe a little bit newer, Maybe they, or actually, let me, let me start this over. Maybe you see a coach who has, you know, a good bit of followers, a good bit of students. Maybe they've ran their program a few times. Take, for example, Digital Creatives Academy that I have. We're about to go into our 10th round. So we've ran this course 10 times within the last, you know, two and a half years. So we have hundreds of students that have gone through the course. Therefore, we have tons and tons and tons of reviews and results and video testimonials from the actual students that have taken the course and have gotten booked out and have quit their nine to five and have built six figure businesses, etc. So in that scenario, if that's the situation that your coach is in, if they this potential coach is in, if they have a bunch of reviews that from students, if they've ran their course multiple times, they should have multiple reviews from students. Even if they've ran their course one time, they should have multiple reviews from students. So seek that out on their profile. See if they have, you know, a reviews highlight, if they have posted reviews from students, if they maybe have them on their website. Video testimonials, I think, are the best types of testimonials you could possibly have. We always make sure to try to get some of those from DCA students because I think that really speaks to people the most and you can see that it's authentic. So I would seek that out first and foremost. Next thing I would do if, you know, in this situation, if you are looking at a coach who has ran, you know, a round of any program multiple times is learn about what their experience was. Because I will tell you, I personally have known some coaches, you know, I've known a virtual assistant coach who started their virtual assistant business struggled to get clients, got a couple of clients, lost those clients, wasn't able to make money as a VA, and then decided instead of me figuring this out and figuring out how to be successful as a VA, I'm just going to go into coaching instead. And I will tell you, this may be blunt, but that is not the person that you want to be working with because they don't have the understanding, the experience, and the success in the field that they're teaching in order to be able to teach you properly. Because with coaching, I think that a lot of people think that coaching is simply distributing information and knowledge that you have in your head to a student. And that's not the case at all because every single student is so different that In order to be a coach or be a mentor of any sort, it takes a deep understanding of the industry that you're in and it takes a deep understanding of how to be successful in that industry because whenever you're coaching, there are going to be situations that your students are in that you may never have been in before. So having that deep understanding of the industry and the ins and outs of it and how success works enables you to be able to guide them through those situations and guide them through the fundamentals, even if you haven't experienced that exact situation. So I would make sure that you learn more, whether that's messaging them directly and, you know, I mean, obviously if, if a coach has, you know, a lot of followers or if they are, you know, um, 
depending on the situation, they may not be able to answer this question one-on-one in the DMs. But if a coach has a lot of success, they should have something on their Instagram or on their TikTok or on their website kind of explaining what their story was, how they got to where they are now, what type of experience they had as a virtual assistant or social media manager or whatever it is that they're teaching other people to do, how they differentiated themselves, what enables them to be a good coach. They should be displaying that publicly to other people instead of keeping that secretive. So that's also something that I would definitely make sure that you're looking out for. Now, let's say hypothetically you're... You know, in those situations, if you're looking for a coach who is highly sought after, who has programs that are constantly booked out, their prices may be a little higher. So in that situation, it's often tempting to go to a coach that has lower prices, and this can be a good situation or it can be a bad situation. Sometimes coaches simply have lower prices because they're struggling to get clients and they want to get those people who can't, you know, maybe afford the higher priced course, whatever. Um... But it could simply be that they're just a newer coach or they are in the process of transitioning into being a coach and they could be a fantastic coach with lower prices. But in that situation, if they're a coach who's maybe newer or hasn't run many rounds of their program, they don't have a ton of reviews yet, in that scenario, I would recommend messaging them because if they're in that situation, they're likely going to be jumping on any DM that they get. Um... I would message them and ask them those questions. Like, what makes you qualified to teach others about this specific thing? You know, what is your method of teaching? What did your experience as, insert whatever they did, what did your experience look like like in that field? Um, What does your program look like? How is it structured? Like, those are all great questions to ask a coach who doesn't have a ton of reviews or maybe is a little bit newer to the industry. Having that conversation with them, it's also going to help you understand if you actually connect with them. And that's also really important whenever you're working in any type of program that's pretty extensive. You want to be able to open up to the person that's coaching you emotionally and feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable with them because you have to get vulnerable in order order to push past mindset blocks or things that you're struggling with in your business as you're building it. So those are some tips that I have for kind of avoiding the situation of losing a bunch of money with the coach. And the other thing that I want to say about this that's a little bit controversial, and I'm definitely not saying that this applies to you, um, there are some scenarios where you truly do just get scammed where a coach promises certain things which no coach should really be promising anything but where they maybe make it seem like this is going to happen for you and it doesn't or you actually start working with them and they never respond or they ghost you or you know the program doesn't actually look inside like it was supposed to look so those situations are definitely definitely happen in the online space But what I want to say on the flip side of this, and this is, again, something that I say to every single DCA student on our welcome call, is that I cannot promise you results because coaching is two-sided. I could sit here until I'm blue in the face teaching you everything about the online space, giving you you know, all of the insight that I have and teaching you the strategies that I implemented and the things I did in my business to help it grow as a VA. But if on the other end of that, you're not implementing the information, if you're not pushing yourself past your comfort zone, if you're not showing up and taking accountability and facing your fears, then you're probably not going to see the results that you want, especially in the timeline that you want. So that's something else. You know, anytime that you invest in any program or any course, that is something that I would make sure that you're being really, really, um, I guess objective about with yourself is, you know, am I actually implementing the things that I'm being taught and taking action or am I still scared and instead I'm kind of blaming it on the program? Again, I'm not saying that the person in this message did that by any means, but it's just something that I've seen happen before and so I just want to kind of throw that out there as well. Okay, so going back to the comment about or the message about you know how some coaches um I invested my last 500 bucks to work with a mentor and had no idea where the next payment was going to come from I don't subscribe to this ideology I don't think that any coach should be pressuring you to spend your last 
amount of money in your bank account on their program. Because every coach should know that results vary from student to student. And as a coach, you can't promise any specific results. So I would never encourage someone, if someone came to me and said, hey, I have 300 bucks, should I spend it on, should I spend all of that on you know, working with you? I would be like, no. <laughs> I would encourage someone in that situation to start out with my free resources, learn as much as they can. Maybe they get one client from that alone and then they're able to kind of save that money and then maybe they invest in my guides that are $30 and then they maybe get another client from that and then they have the money to invest in the masterclass, which is, you know, $200. That's that's what I would suggest to someone in that situation. Now, have I had students, I had one student specifically who literally spent her last $400 as a down payment to work with me in a course. And let me caveat this by saying I did not know that when she actually signed up and I would never encourage her to do that. But now she makes six figures a year working a few days a week. So that definitely does work out from some people for some people, but that's an individual choice that you have to make. Whenever I signed up for my first course that I took, I had to put it all on a credit card. That was already, I was already 20K in debt and I put all of it on a credit card. I did not have the money to pay for that course, but I I gave myself no other option but to make it work and I had confidence that I was gonna make it work and I had confidence in my coach. So that was the decision I made for myself. Um, but no coach should be encouraging you to do that. It's not ethical, like you said, it, it, it is unethical to encourage someone to spend their last, the last amount of money they have in their bank account on their specific program. It's just unreasonable and it's not a good mindset to put your students in because the thing is, if a student spends their last amount of money on a course, what's likely going to happen, and this is not always the case, but what's likely going to happen is that they're going to go into that course with a very panicked mindset from the beginning. And that is not what you want going into a business. You are gonna be frantic to get a client and it's gonna give that energy off to potential clients and you're probably gonna struggle with it. This is why I also always tell my clients, like a lot of our end goals is to quit our nine to fives, right? But I always tell my students, it's okay to have a nine to five and be building your business on the side because it gives you more, more financial security and you don't have that panic of feeling like, I have to find this client. You're able to do things in a more connected, intentional way, and that's usually gonna turn out for the better. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have a plan as to how logistically you're gonna quit your nine to five or what your ideal timeline would look like, but it's okay to have a nine to five and to start your business on the side. So um, as far as, you know, this person also said, I believe you shouldn't invest if you can't afford it, but mentors and coaches should stop making it seem like spending the last bit of money we have on a course or program is what's best for us. It's preying on people's weaknesses. I 100% agree with you actually. Um, this person also said, you know, we express how desperately we want to own our business and we do the work and make an effort and we don't have full-time clients or we don't have enough money to pay for the next month because we were told that working with a mentor would get us to a financially secure place and it hasn't. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this is the situation that a lot of people end up in because of, you know, the things that I've mentioned in the past couple of minutes and that's not a scenario that you want to be in. And I want to assure all of you who are listening to this, who are maybe in a financially difficult spot, because I've been there. I, before the months before I started my business, I was barely paying my bills. I was usually in the negative. I didn't have a savings. I didn't have investing investments. I was 20K in debt. I was working 50 to 55 hours a week. Plus at the same time, I had a like vintage clothing store on Instagram that I was working on. So in reality, when I think about it, I was probably working like 70 hours a week total between the two of those and still was struggling financially every single month. So, you know, I, and I didn't have parents to help me. My, my dad probably would have helped me, but my parents aren't rich. My parents, you know, my family isn't rich. I don't come from money. I was living by myself, paying my bills alone since I was 16. So I was not in a situation where, you know, it was just easy for me to invest in my business by any means. So, you know, 
I understand that feeling and it sucks. So if any of you are in that situation, I want you to know that it is possible to get started without investing anything. I have had people message me in my DMs with literally a notebook full of 20 pages of notes from watching my Instagram lives where I'm answering questions, where I'm talking about how I found clients, how I chose my niche, how I came up with my packages. So, you know, there is so much free information out there. And at this point, I have even more available for you. If you just go through my TikTok videos, if you go through my blog, my podcast, my Instagram lives, you can glean so, so, so much information from those and then start taking action with the information that you have. It's going to be messy. I will tell you that because the whole point of investing in a coach is to get from A to Z in a lot clearer path. It's kind of like a cheat code for the process because when you're doing it on your own, it can definitely feel like, okay, I'm, I have all the puzzle pieces, but I don't have the picture on the box to see how I should actually put them together. So it's going to be difficult. It's going to take you longer to get to that point, but you either have two things, right? You have time or you have money. If you don't have the money to invest into it, then you're going to have to invest more of your time. And that's okay because if you want this really bad, then you make that a priority. And then once you start making some money in your business, even if it's one client a month for $500, you can start saving some of that. And then you know, you save that and you're like, okay, once I've saved $400 purely from my business, I'm going to invest in this masterclass to actually give me tangible step-by-step directions. I'm going to implement those. And then maybe I get three clients and I'm making $1,500 a month. Then I'm going to save up that money to then invest in a bigger course that is one-on-one where I have, you know, access to a coach and can ask specific questions. And I have group calls and I have guest experts coming in and I have modules that I can follow that really deep dive into exactly how I need my business to be set up because the messy action is okay in the beginning. You're going to have to take messy action whether you have no money to invest or whether you have $10,000 to invest in someone. So that messy action in the beginning is perfectly fine and it's okay if your business is not perfect in the beginning. You can usually make do with the free resources or even something like my guides that are like, I think, $55 total, you can make do with those resources and get your business off the ground enough to the point where you can get a few clients. From there, once you invest, you know, I've had quite a few students in DCA who didn't have the funds originally to invest, so they started anyways. They made do with the resources that they had. They got a few clients and their purpose or their reason for signing up for DCA was to start to advance their business and make sure that their foundation was really, really strong so that they could get more clients, become booked out, start to raise their prices, start to make more money and work less, start to enhance their client experience, elevate their branding, elevate their content and marketing. So that's always the route that you can go as well. And this applies to the other person who said, my coach didn't help me the way I thought she would and I don't have money to invest in a new one. Can I still succeed without a coach or mentor? Yes, 100% you can. Um, You know, I think that there's a lot of people out there who like to tell people that they can't succeed without a mentor or a coach and that's quite literally just not true. Um, Again, that's, I think, an unethical thing to teach other people. It's, you know, again, what does your timeline look like? Do you have the funds to invest? Um, And also with that, if I'm really thinking about it, like if I'm really going back to when I first started my business, I didn't have the money to invest in a course. You know, had I taken that time to really learn, I was never taught about budgeting or investing or finances growing up. So had I taken that time to maybe instead dive into budgeting and figure out where I could cut costs and maybe make more use of my paycheck, I probably could have saved up faster in order to invest in the program that I took or in something at least. So I think that's also a good idea for anyone because, again, this is not me encouraging you. Like, if you literally don't have any money, that's a different situation. But a lot of us weren't taught about budgeting. We weren't, we don't keep track of our finances because for me, it it terrified me to open my bank account and I wasn't in control of it. So I think 
taking the time to learn about budgeting, learn where you could maybe cut costs. Um, maybe it means sacrificing on some things that you would normally buy, but instead you want to prioritize saving up to invest in this course. I think that that's also something to think about. And again, it may take some time, but that's okay. In, in the grand scheme of things, if it takes you six months to save up to invest in a course, if you're able to build a successful business six months after that and be making $5,000 a month, in the, in the grand scheme of time, that's going to be a blip, right? You're going to be so thankful a year after that that you spent that time holding out and saving up instead of being like, well, I didn't have the money to invest, so I'm just going to forget about it for now. But yes, at the end of the day, you still 100% can be successful on your own without a coach. It's just the fact that, you know, working with a coach expedites the process. It makes sure that you are being ethical with your business practices, that you have a strong foundation, that your marketing is clear, that you are elevating your business in order to make more money in it and work less. But again, you can always get started on your own get the ball rolling. It might be a little messy. It's not going to be perfect. That's okay. And then you invest in something once you're making money in your business. Okay. So to go a little bit lighter, <laughs> we have a message. Oh my gosh. My voice keeps cracking. I think I'm going through <clears throat> my second puberty. Um, we have a message from Marissa and she dropped her name in here. So I think she's okay with me saying it, but she said, <clears throat> I don't think you realize how much you have helped me during such a dark time. I'm preparing to launch my business in a couple weeks and you've inspired me the whole way. I constantly have your podcast playing to motivate me, teach me, whew, I'm trying not to cry, okay? <laughs> to motivate me, teach me, humor me, and make me feel not so alone in this journey. I could never thank you enough for believing in me even though you don't know me. When I tell you, when I first read this message, I was just blubbering. <laughs> It was hard for me to even get through it the second time reading it because I'm just like, oh my God, this is so sweet. And I thank you so much for dropping this in the type form. I don't think that, you know, I don't think that any of you realize how much it means to me when I hear things like this or when you message me on Instagram and kind of let me know that I've been a part of this for you, whether you've worked with me directly or not. It's so special to me that we may not even know each other, but we have impacted each other's lives. That's such a cool part of the internet. And sometimes, I think sometimes I forget how many people I've helped. And I'm not the type of person, like even in person, anytime somebody starts talking about my business, I'm like, well, answer the question and then I'll turn it and ask them a question about themselves. And so I'm not the type of person who loves to like talk about it or, you know, I'm like, I've helped this many people, even though I'm really proud of that. I just still have that in my head of like, you have to be humble about it. But I am really proud of it. And I am so thankful that I'm able to impact all of you in a positive way. That means a lot to me. And I don't think that I realize sometimes how how much significance that carries because of the fact that, like you said, we don't know each other or, you know, it's virtual. So you can't see all of the ins and outs of it. We can't have a conversation face to face. We can't hug each other. Like, it's just it's different. And so I think that sometimes it causes that disconnect of me feeling like, well, am I actually helping people? But I know that I am. And it's just really cool because I've had, you know, I've had people in the craziest situations, the toughest situations. I've had single moms or people that, you know, struggle with mental health issues that have been in my programs and have started a business that, has changed their life and that is such an such a special thing for me to be able to be a part of and i'm so thankful for any of you who have trusted in me to learn from it means so much to me so thank you thank you for dropping this message in the form okay next message so this one says i'm so exhausted by people pretending like being a business owner is ever easy the message of starting an online business is easy is a trick that people use to sell stuff it's hard it's exhausting and it always will be there's a reason that not everyone is an entrepreneur that's because it takes an insane amount of fucking hard work i agree i agree with this 100 percent. it is definitely not easy i think that 
I think that the, well, I'm sure that there are, you know, business owners and coaches out there that say owning a business is easy. I think that where the disconnect here is, is that a lot of people use marketing and I do this as well. You know, like I will compare 2019 version of me to 2020 version of me. And you see like the 2019 version where, and this could be like a TikTok trend where it's like 2019 version, you know, I'm 20K in debt, I'm barely paying my bills, I'm depressed, et cetera, et cetera. 2020, I'm making $60 an hour, booked out as a VA, happier than ever, et cetera. And I think that that messaging or those type of trends inherently make people think, oh, well, they're saying it's easy. When in reality, you know, you don't see all of the hard work that's gone on between that. And I don't think that people are intending, I'm certainly not intending for that messaging or those type of videos to imply that owning a business is easy. In fact, I've gotten a lot of TikTok comments that are pretty similar to this. And I've, you know, definitely gone on to be like, no, it's not easy at all because it isn't like, Owning a business is very, very difficult. It is exhausting. Your brain never turns off. You're constantly thinking about work. I am, you know, sometimes working at 9 p.m. Sometimes I'm working at 12 a.m. I am laying in bed at 1 a.m. thinking of all the things that I need to do and making sure that I write them down and then putting my phone down, laying my head down, thinking of another thing, picking my phone up, writing down another thing. <laughs> like, it's very, very hard. It can be discouraging at times you know, all of your business, the weight of it rests on your shoulders. So you are responsible for your success. Like you are the only one that's responsible for your success. And that is terrifying. I probably every week have the thought in my head of where am I going to be in a few years? How long is my business going to last? Will my business last as long as I want it to? What's going to happen when the market for this changes or the demand for this changes? What direction am I going to take? That's going to be terrifying when I have to pivot directions. Um, you know, am I eventually, is my business just going to crash and burn? Those are thoughts that I have all the time. And that doesn't mean it's reality, right? Our thoughts are not reality, but they're still there. And that's just kind of inherently what happens when you own a business. And it is so much hard work. Blood, sweat, and tears go into being a business owner, quite literally. And especially if you have a team, having to have the responsibility of a team and making sure they're taken care of, having difficult conversations, it is all really hard. And sometimes in your head, you're like, maybe it would be easier to just clock in and clock out. But the other side to that is that no matter how difficult it gets in my business, I sit back and I'm like, God, I am so lucky to be stressing out over the fact that I have to make content for the next week. Like, what a first world problem, you know what I mean? I'm so lucky and thankful that I don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. to go to work. I'm so thankful that if I'm having a really terrible day, I can text my team and say, hey, I'm gonna be out for the day, or you know, even with my clients. Like my team will do this. If my team is having a rough day, they'll be like, hey, I need to take a mental health day, or I need to take the afternoon off, and I'm like, go for it. I'm so thankful that I can take Fridays off, pretty much. Today's a Friday, and I'm recording a podcast episode, but I mean, come on, I get to record a podcast episode on a Friday. <laughs> like, <laughs> how pitiful for me. Um, I'm so thankful that I can schedule appointments in the middle of the week instead of having to cram them in after work or on a weekend. Like, this kind of makes me think about the rhetoric on TikTok about whether being a content creator is easy. You know, Yes, it's hard in a lot of ways, but the fact that you can work from your phone and you can go to a coffee shop and do your work, or you can decide to take a break from work for 30 minutes and go get a coffee, go to Starbucks, go get a smoothie, whatever you want to do. Those things are so invaluable. The fact that I can travel across the world, I can go to England and France for two weeks. I did this last year. Well, last year is in 2021. And everything be fine. My business is still running. I can work. I can take some calls. I can, you know, respond to some messages while I'm traveling in the airport. I can get work done there. That is so invaluable to me. And I think that what this really comes down to is choosing your hard. 
for some people in this message you said there's a reason that not everyone is an entrepreneur i agree there are a lot of people who think being an entrepreneur is too hard or they are maybe too they're in their comfort zone or they are like you know what i don't mind my nine to five that much because i can just clock in and clock out and i don't want the workload of being a business owner so you're right there is a reason that not everyone is an entrepreneur because some people prefer that for me being in my nine to five you know feeling unsure about that, working myself to death, being depressed, coming home, like leaving my house and it's dark outside, getting home and it's dark outside, not being able to travel with my friends, worrying about money constantly, always being in debt. Like those things were really fucking hard and I hated it. I despised it. The, the, the life that my business now enables me to have is the life that I was dreaming of a few years ago. So it's not easy. But I would rather this be my hard than my the version of my life in 2019 be my hard. But no one should ever tell you it's easy because it's not easy. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I got my work done in two hours today and I can just do whatever the hell I want for the rest of the day. But it's very, very hard a lot of the time. Even in those times though, it's still, you know, still to me, I'm like, even in those moments when I'm like so frustrated, so exhausted, struggling so much with my mindset, feeling overwhelmed, I'm still like, I'm so thankful that this is the situation I'm in. I can power through this. I got this. This is just a wave that I'm riding and I'm going to get through it. And I've had a lot of those in my business. I've been burnt out. I've had weeks where I'm like, I just want to give up on my business and just go get a simple job. I, you know have had all of those moments, but it's all just temporary. And that doesn't mean that the difficultness doesn't last, you know, pretty steady throughout your business. But yeah, it's it's so worth it to me and it's so worth it to so many people, but it's not cut out for every single person out there. And that's okay. That's a lot of people love their nine to fives. A lot of people love their corporate career. And I love that for them. I don't think that everyone should be an entrepreneur. Or everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Um, but it's not easy and no coach or business owner should ever tell you that it's easy because it isn't. But I totally get where you're coming from because it can be frustrating if someone outright says that and then some of the messaging can be frustrating as well. That's why I think it's so important that business owners are really open about what they struggle with and that can be scary, especially as a coach. It can be really scary to come online and be like, my business, I hate my business today. <laughs> or like, I want to give up on my business today. Because you don't want to scare off, you know, people who don't understand the nuances of that, who are maybe like newer to the online space. And you also question, like, does this make me less of an authority if I'm really vulnerable vulnerable about this? So that's been something that I've been working on about being more open about it. And I think that a lot of people should, you know, it's obviously you don't want to be just constantly a Debbie Downer all the time, but it is really important to show the opposite side of it so that people don't feel so alone when they're like, my God, I am really struggling with business lately. Next message says, trying to find a balance of where and when to work is difficult for me as a work from home business owner. There's a lot of guilt when I sleep in late or spend money on a latte so I can get out of the house to work. going to start going to the library instead. How am I supposed to promote my business on Instagram when they are pushing more four-second entertaining reels rather than informative longer ones? How the hell am I going to have health insurance? Sometimes I need a break from scrolling. It's an addiction a bit for me, but I need to work on social media. I feel like an alcoholic who works at a bar. How do I deal with clients I don't want to work for? I wish it was easier to avoid negative slash boastful vibes in real audios, but that's what's always trending. I feel like I look like a bitch online. Okay, so I'm going to break this down bit by bit. So... Um, guilt when you sleep in late or spend money on a latte so I can get out of the house to work. I feel this so hard. I used to feel guilt and in my business all the time and feel like I had to be working all the time. And this is something that's always going to be a work in progress. It's still a work in progress for me. I even mentioned at the beginning of this, like I've never taken a ton of time off in business because I feel guilty about it, like <laughs> years in. So this is going to constantly be a work in progress. Again, because of the nature of being a business owner, you are always thinking about it. You don't turn off. Like it's difficult to turn off. So 
I think that, you know, this takes a lot of reasoning with yourself and it also takes, you know, the episode that I have, and I re- I definitely recommend that any of you go listen to it. It's the episode with Josh Terry. Um, it was a while back, but if you scroll, it'll it his name is on there. He was talking about, you know, we were talking about burnout and kind of like balancing things as a business owner. And he was talking about how you have to kind of separate yourself. You have to separate the adult version of you. And then, and he's definitely worded this far more eloquent than I'm going to, but You have to separate the version of you that is an adult and that is, you know, at it and you want to get stuff done and you are just being productive and pumping stuff out and working. And then you also have to think of yourself alternatively as a child in a lot of ways. You have to be able to look introspectively and be like, is the child part of me tired and frustrated and unproductive right now? If so, I probably need to take a break. I probably need to sleep in tomorrow. It's like whenever a child is playing and playing and playing and they're just going and going and it's getting late at night and you're like, okay, you're enjoying what you're doing right now and you want to keep playing and you're not going to like it, but you have to go to bed because otherwise you're going to be a monster tomorrow. (laughs) It's a very similar concept with us. And I think that this is something you have to start implementing in small ways. You have to, you know, listen to your body. Whenever you feel like you need to take a break, do it. Because if you don't do it, you are going to shoot yourself in the foot so hard because you're eventually going to be like, oh my God, I've been working nonstop for the last three months. I am so burnt out that I'm going to have to take a month off. That happened to me at the end of 2021 and it was terrible. I was burnt out for like three months, just unmotivated, exhausted, not excited about my business. And I think what the biggest thing that this break over the holidays this year has taught me is that I need it. Like I need a break in those times. I came back feeling so excited about my business, so productive so creative and inspired and i wouldn't have had that if i had just kept working through the holidays and taken a day or two off so start implementing it in small ways and be really reasonable with yourself because also some people don't work great in the mornings i don't work super well in the mornings so i allow myself to sleep in and sometimes i'll work in the evenings you don't have to force yourself into this mold of what you see other people doing We see people on TikTok like, yeah, you have to wake up at 5 a.m. to be productive. And it's like, shut up. (laughs) Everyone is different. I don't like waking up at 5 a.m. And I'm probably just going to be annoyed and not get work done and be unproductive. So why would I do that? I work better at night and in the evenings. That's just how my brain is wired. So being reasonable about it, not looking at what other people are doing and comparing yourself to that and figuring out what works best for you. And then also allowing yourself to take a break and soothing that inner child of yours that needs some rest and needs this certain thing in order for you to actually be productive in your business is one of the most important things that you can do. How am I supposed to promote my business on Instagram when they're pushing pushing more four-second entertaining reels rather than informative longer ones? So um, I'm going to answer this in strategy terms. So in um, any type of content creation, TikTok, Instagram, reels, whatever, there's two types of content, outreach content and retention content. Outreach content is going to be your trending audios, your quick four-second videos, eight-second videos, pretty much any video under like 10 seconds. This is your content that you're creating to try to boost that content, to try to get it exposed to a lot of people, to bring the audiences in, to bring awareness to your business. It's not going to be super informative. It's going to be pretty catchy. It might be funny. It's going to be probably a trend, trending audio, trending dance, whatever. I don't dance on TikTok, but you get the point. Your outreach content, the purpose of it is again to bring that audience in and get you exposed to as many people as possible. Your retention content is your longer, your long form educational content. This is what's actually retaining people to your business, to your Instagram page, to your TikTok page, and making them start to like, trust, and know you. So you want to have a combination of those. You don't want to only have trending four second videos. So I would just take that pressure off yourself right now because 
If you're only creating that type of content, sure, you might get some exposure, but it's not gonna translate as well to clients, to actual results in your business. So take the pressure off of yourself to have to constantly be making trends. Um, I will also say that trends, you know, I try to catch trends as soon as I can, but also if your content in the video is good, even if you're using a trend that was trending six months ago, it's still gonna work. So there's also that. Um, but yeah, create both types of content. Don't put pressure on yourself to just create that rapid fire content and make as many as you can and constantly be trying to find trending audios because you need both of those because what's gonna happen is a potential client's probably gonna find you from one of your outreach content videos. They're gonna maybe follow you because you've piqued their interest. If they only see trending audios and trending videos and four second videos after that, they're not really gonna start to trust, know, and like you. So that's where your retention content comes in. This is the longer educational content. Your outreach content is typically gonna get more views. Your retention content is typically gonna get less views and that's okay. Sometimes people see that, they see their retention content getting less views and they think, well, that means I shouldn't do it and I should just lean into the one that's getting more views. You shouldn't because the people who are watching your retention content, your longer form, educational content, those are the people who are interested in working with you and you're getting them closer and closer and closer to actually pulling the trigger on it by making that type of content. So that would be my suggestion about that. Sometimes they need, oh, how the hell am I gonna have health insurance? So this is something that I was, a lot of people stress about. I haven't had health insurance since I was around 19 and I just got health insurance this year, literally like two weeks ago. Um, I personally got a catastrophic plan. So I have a fairly high deductible. It's really not that crazy though. I think it's like a $9,000 deductible. Um, but I don't go to the doctor a lot. I don't have anything like that I have to frequently go to the doctor for. I really just need, I have like a $25 copay so I can go, you know, for my physicals. I also got, um, dental insurance. And I really just wanted it in case something happened, right? If I got in a car wreck, if I, I don't know, whatever, I often tend to break bones pretty frequently because I do stupid things. But just for those types of situations is what I wanted it for. I oftentimes, if I'm going to a doctor, it's like a holistic doctor or a chiropractor or something like that that probably is not gonna be covered by insurance anyway, or I'd have to have like a crazy expensive plan for it. So my insurance, I think it's around $200 a month and my dental is like $25 a month, which is, you know, at this point in my business, way more affordable than I was thinking it would be. And it's that that price because of the uh, income bracket that I'm in. If I was in a lower income bracket, it would be significantly lower than that. Now, you know, I would suggest talking to like an insurance agent about this about this type of thing. They're gonna get you a plan on the marketplace and it's, it's something that was intimidating to me, but really once I actually did it, I was like, oh, it's a lot more inexpensive than I thought it was gonna be. And again, depending on what income bracket you're in, it's it's gonna lower or increase, decrease or increase depending on that. So I would talk to an insurance agent and get an idea of some plans that you could potentially be on. But you know, I know this is an appeal that a lot of people in nine to fives have is, oh, well, they provide me health insurance. But let's say, for instance, you're making $5,000 a month in your corporate job and they provide you with insurance. If you start your own business and you're making $9,000 a month and you have to pay $200 a month for health insurance, you're still profiting thousands of dollars by owning your own business, you know? So um, sometimes I need a break from scrolling. It's an addiction a bit for me, but I need to work on social media. I feel like an alcoholic who works at a bar. I get this because I can get so sucked into TikTok and scroll and scroll and scroll because I need to scroll in order to find trending audios, but then I'm like, oh, I've been on TikTok for three hours, great. <laughs> I would set limits with this here in order for you to get inspired for your content and for you to, you know, th this is hard, especially like I don't really love social media, especially Instagram. I rarely ever scroll my Instagram if I didn't have, like if I didn't, do it for work. I would have one where I just followed people that I knew and I would probably rarely ever post, rarely ever scroll. So 
I, I feel this. It's, it's that catch 22 of, I don't want to be on social media this much, but I have to work on social media. So I would set parameters around this. It's going to be really difficult for you in the beginning, but it just takes that discipline consistently. Um, set your screen time on your phone to pop up once you've been on Instagram for, you know, an hour or whatever. And, and this is also something that gets better with time. Whenever I first started, Oh my gosh, I have hiccups. Whenever I first started, I was on Instagram all the time because I was, you know, looking at other people's content, engaging with potential clients, trying to create content for myself, etc. And over time, my brain has just kind of naturally started to think of Instagram as business. Like that's what it is. It's not for pleasure really for me. It's for business. I still have fun on it, but um, I think this just also takes some time. So again, don't be too hard on yourself about this, but I would definitely, you know, input some parameters on it for yourself, set your screen time, set an, uh, an alarm when you're actually, you know, on it, set an alarm for you to be able to be on Instagram for 30 minutes. And then you do work on your computer for an hour or something like that. How do I deal with clients? I don't want to work for, um, in this situation, I think it depends on what the scenario is like if you're saying you are working with a client right now and you want to like break up with them or if you're saying like how do I deal with a client that I need to have but I don't enjoy working with them so I don't want to like break up with them yet you can message me on, message me on Instagram if you feel comfortable and let me know which one you're referring to so I can give some more input I wish it was easier to avoid negative slash boastful vibes in real real audios but that's what's always trending I feel like a bitch. You're not a bitch. <laughs> um, this is what's known as humble bragging in the online space. And this is a marketing tactic. And I promise you that no other business owner is thinking of you that way. But I totally understand what you're saying. I still feel like this sometimes whenever I make videos talking about how much I make or, you know, what I've done or the success I've had. And a lot of that is because we are instilled especially if you're a woman, we are instilled to, you have to be humble, you have to be meek, you have to be mild. You also are taught that it is taboo to talk about money, that it's tacky and classless to talk about how much you make, um, to, you know, kind of be informed and aware and open and transparent about those things. So I think that's something that helped me a lot was realizing that that's just something that's been instilled in us for so long. And it's not a good thing. Like it's, it's okay to be proud of yourself, to talk about things you've accomplished. It's very important to talk about money and finances and for us to be transparent about that. It helps other people. And at the end of the day, also thinking about what are your intentions? Because you even said this, this shows me that your intention is not to just go on there and brag just to be bragging. Your intentions in this are to market yourself in a way that shows what you can offer to your clients and business owners like that. Like, honestly, I like it when someone's like, hey, I can do this for you and nobody else can do this in the way that I can do it. And they're just like, yeah, this is what I can offer. And I believe in what I'm selling. I actually really resonate with that and like it. People like confidence. So instead of viewing this as bitchy, I would, I would twist that narrative in your head to view it as confidence instead. Alrighty. So that was quite a few question or messages that we got through. Um, I still have some actually in this form. This episode is already at an hour though. So I, you know, we don't want to make the episodes too long. So I'm considering making this into two parts and maybe reopening the form for a couple more thoughts, questions, situations, rants, because this was really fun. And I think this is going to be super helpful for people who are in the online space or are thinking about starting a business and have these doubts or have these fears or frustrations about the online space and to know that other people are thinking about it and to kind of get the input of someone in my position or situation, I think that this is gonna be super helpful to people. So please let me know. Please DM me on Instagram if you want me to do a part two of this. I probably will either way at least finish answering answering up the other messages and I might if you know if you guys aren't interested in a part two then I might just include that in a different episode that's kind of like a um 
we'll do that in the first half and then we'll talk about something else in the second half something along those lines but yeah let me know if you want a part two this was really fun it got some spicy comments in here and it's also really interesting for me to see because i think that a lot of times we feel intimidated intimidated opening up about these things you know there's a lot of frustrations i have about the online space that i haven't you know expressed openly maybe i will if you all want let me know in the dms but it, it can be hard when you have these thoughts in your head because it's scary to open up about it. You know, you obviously can open up to fellow business owners, but like opening up to a coach or opening up to someone that is in the industry that you're maybe, you maybe have a complaint about, that can be intimidating. So I think that this is a great venting space. But yeah, like I said, if you... Uh, submitted something into this form and it wasn't answered or uh, touched on in this episode I will touch on it in another one so don't worry Um, but again DM me on Instagram if you want me to do a part two and I'll open it up for a couple more questions or you know messages and we'll go from there but thank you for listening I hope that you all had the best New Year's excited for 2023 it's gonna be really really fun and Well, I hope. Who knows what's going to (laughs) happen? It'll be fun no matter what. Just to see what happens. That's the the mystery of of it all, right? So, yeah. Hope you had a great new year. Please rate the podcast if you feel so inclined. It's super helpful. And I love seeing the reviews that you all put like on Apple Podcasts where you can actually type your review. It's really fun for me to see that. And it, it means a lot. So... Thanks for listening, and I will talk to all of you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Digital State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hawks, and I am so happy to have you here. Follow along with us on Instagram at the Digital State of Mind so that we can stay connected with you and get your feedback on what you want to hear on the show. I know everyone says this, but we're serious, okay? <laughs> talk to you next time.